Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, a podcast that intends to work a Jensen Ackles reference into every future episode to help drive engagement because people love that fucking guy. I'm your host, Mike, and along with me today is our show is Eye Candy. Please welcome the supernatural one himself, Zach. How are you, buddy? Jensen Ackles, right? You want me to say that? Mike, before the show, is like, just make sure you mention Jensen Ackles, I yes. think it is. Yeah, Might be sure. Jensen Ackles. Him I think too. he's a Formula One driver. I'm not entirely sure who we're talking about. All I know is he is glorious and gorgeous from what I understand. People stand for him all the time on the interwebs. But I'll tell you who we're going to stand for today. A comic book legend in his own right. We are talking about The Punisher. And in this issue, just to warn everybody, Punisher actually kills the Marvel Universe from March 2000, Earth 95, 126, and trigger warning, the kill count in this episode rivals our Boris the Bear episode, but as Rob Zombie may say, the victims in this are less fluffy and more human than not human. So you say uh, that it came out in 2000. I did some digging. That's actually a reprint. This book was oh. originally released in November of 95. Shit. And had a different cover art. The cover art looked like something uh, you would see spray painted on the side of a creep's van. <laughs> just like really shit airbrush art with a pile of dead bodies but at the time it was like a dollar bin book didn't sell anything garth ennis was an unknown quantity later that very year preacher is released <laughs> and garth ennis becomes garth ennis yeah so it wasn't until later on that marvel decided to re-release it and have steve dylan jump in and do a new cover and everyone's like oh Steve Dillon, Garth Ennis, Wonder Team. No, we get Doug Braithwaite doing the art inside the book. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Wonder Team, Jensen Eccles plays in season three of The Boys, which is written by... Garth Ennis. It all ties together, and this book absolutely has the seeds of where you can see where Garth is going to go later in his career with something like The Boys, because as we say... Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. Yeah. He does not hold back. Like, just let you know, this is going to be a pretty violent one. But we'll try and make it nice and happy. We're not going to go full Dark Claw on this. But we do lead out with the initial fight sequence, which is actually a throwback to when Frank was a child, along with his buddy, or at least neighborhood mate, Matt Murdock, who happens to be taking an ass whooping and is saved by Frank Castle. Sets it up first page. He's a good guy. He's, you know, he's a protector. He just wants to make sure that people are looked after. And as we all know, his way of doing that is with guns. <laughs> well, fortunately, as a small child, he is not using a gun in this. He <laughs> does later, I promise you. But we instantly jump into the second page. All hell is breaking loose in Central Park. The Avengers are fighting beside the X-Men. And I'll just leave it to that, and I'll let you explain what happens next, Zach. <laughs> so yeah, we've got the Avengers and the X-Men. They're teaming up against, I think they say, uh, the Brood, mm -hmm. the Skrull, and some type of other alien faction. Some nondescript alien entity. <laughs> just ripping up Central Park. You've got Thor throwing his mallet about, Storm's T-posing, Wolverine's fighting a giant shrimp. It's all kicking off. But unfortunately, Frank Castle, ex U.S. Special Forces, now current day cop, is driving to the scene. His radio is blaring, don't go in, don't go in. But he says, I have to go. Mike, you know why he has to go? Because goddammit, his wife took the kids to the park. It's not the gangland guys that kill his wife and kids. It's the goddamn superheroes. Yeah, and 
defending Frank even before he knows what's going on, Daredevil. Because this fight sequence doesn't last long. It only lasts like a page. Frank Castle is on the way, and literally by the time he gets there, the whole thing's done. The Avengers and X-Men have gotten rid of the aliens. Daredevil's sitting there berating Cyclops going, dude, you know, there's like, this is like a public park. And Cyclops pulls out (laughs) nearly a hot fuzz level line. He's like, it was for the greater good, practically. Frank Castle shows up, and then we find out, as you said, Frank's family was murdered, and Cyclops says, I'm sorry. However, I guarantee you, he's going to be a little more sorry here in about a panel and a half. (laughs) One thing before we get to that, I absolutely love when Punisher legs it up to the superheroes, Daredevil is pointing to the side saying, this woman is dead, her (laughs) children are dead, which means they are all just congregated around the corpses of these people having this heated argument. Like, no respect for the dead, the dead that they just created. (laughs) Well, again, at least Daredevil happens to be a good guy, nobody else is. Frank Castle pulls out a gun and just starts shooting people. He gets arrested, of course, and we find out at his trial, who he's defended, of course, by Matt Murdock, we find out at his trial that he has killed some of the nation's greatest heroes and X-Men, Cyclops, and Jubilee, much to Stu from Stu World Order's chagrin because he's a big, big Jubilee stand. But I love how they're like, they killed some heroes and two X-Men. I like yeah no, that absolutely slayed me when I first read like the nation's greatest heroes and the mutants. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he in this initial gunfire, he you I didn't notice this uh, on my first read, but when he's opening fire on the crowd of heroes, Hawkeye just over his left shoulder, you see Hawkeye getting beamed right between the eyes. Oh yeah, shit. I mean, he is picking some of the weaker heroes because colossus doesn't seem to be injured wolverine of course attacks him and he he picks off a few of the easy ones because at least frank knows how to kill i'll give him that he is well trained in it but unfortunately for the crime of killing the nation's greatest heroes and x-men cyclops and jubilee it's life imprisonment in rikers island for old mr castle is it really it's not that's funny you should mention that mike well, aren't you a great conversationalist? No, he thinks he's going to Rikers, but when he gets out of the van, it's somewhere else. And do you know where it is? Looks like a villa in like Spain or something. Looks gorgeous. It's the Adirondacks. We're back uh-huh. in the Adirondack Mountains. Of Hopefully, we are. I mean, obviously, we're on Earth nine five one two six in this story. This ain't six one six canon, but I would like to believe that somewhere in these mountains, maybe Hulk didn't kill Billy. And his siblings have grown up to be full-size adult cannibals. Oh, now that, my friend, is an adorable thought. But you know what's not adorable? The guy that saved him's face because he's burnt to a crisp. And I'm going to let you tell the mob squad. Because this guy, of course, broke Frank out. And he's going to do some things with Frank. They're going to come to an agreement But the way his face was burned is one of the greatest descriptions of being injured in comic book lore. How, might I ask you, was Kesserling's face injured? I will read this verbatim. Uh, Obviously, he is a reclusive millionaire who's broken Frank Castle out of prison for nefarious purposes that we'll get to. But he says, money is nothing to me anymore. There was a time when I enjoyed the status in society that goes with it, but society forgot me the day I was caught in a superhero brawl. 
and Doctor Doom <laughs> threw the human torch at my car. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. And that is still better, but there are several more on the next page because he is not alone in his angst against superheroes because we are introduced to other facially and bodily damaged people, one of them who had a building thrown at him by the thing, the other was attacked by Wolverine in a case of mistaken identity. Mr. Pierce was run over by the ghost rider. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's just hilarious what... Uh, let me rephrase that. Being injured, especially accidentally, not hilarious at all. But the descriptions of said injuries in this book are amazing. As I say, this absolutely stinks of the boys. It's You can see it's... Something Garth Ennis always wanted to explore was the collateral human damage in superhero scenarios. And unfortunately, there are a lot of them in this book, but they've broken out, Frank, with the express purpose of making the superheroes pay for the damage that they have done to society. They tell him they want him to punish them. Yeah, and Frank's like, cool, we can do that. So, <laughs> he is, he's totally just like, all right. Yeah, let, let's, let's do that. So, yeah. First off, we get Frank, of course. Now he's broken out, so he's on the lam from the cops. And next we see Venom fighting Spider-Man in a filthy-ass sewer. Punisher has his way, murders Venom, and then takes a gun to the face of Spider-Man and pretty much just blows his brains out. So he basically, like, just shoots tasers in every direction to incapacitate Venom and Spider-Man. Venom turns back into Eddie Brock because he's unconscious. He walks up, unloads an entire magazine into Eddie Brock, and Spider-Man says, who are you? And he says, the Punisher. And he goes, punish? What for? Why us? Why me? <laughs> and Sp Punisher drops him one right in the face and goes, because somebody had to die first. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, technically it was Venom, but he had he had a line to read, so there you go. Ah, fucking hell, there we go. I don't think this book happened. <laughs> so afterwards, of course, we find out how he found out where Venom and Spider-Man were in the first place. He is working with his good buddy Micro in this Earth, and they are hunting down super-powered beings, the next of which, from the Adirondacks himself, the Incredible Hulk. That's right, the... Giant green bastard himself. And now, we get a pretty good onomatopoeia on this. We've got a funt, <laughs> which is great. It's written across the Hulk's back. It just looks like this really crazy tattoo, but that's a high contender. I absolutely adore how the Punisher kills the Hulk in this. He simply puts a tracking device on him, waits for him to go home and fall asleep, and then just shoots him in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Is he home or is he just sleeping in an alley? Looks I'd like, like he's sleeping on it. garbage cans. I'd like to think cans. he lives in that alley. Fair enough, yeah. You know what? Last issue, he was sleeping in a cave with two small cannibal-aiding children, so this is probably an improvement. From there, he has a plan because this is going very slowly. Let's be honest. I mean, it's impressive that he's killed Venom and Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, seemingly. However, he has a better idea to kill people faster and that includes taking out Kingpin. The reason that Kingpin matters here is he's, he realizes that Kingpin, being the owner of Fisk Enterprises, and likely a very bad all-around person, 
has the weaponry to quickly take out stronger, super-powered individuals faster than just going at it one at a time. However, unfortunately for us, after he kills Kingpin, the Kingpin's fat ass lands on top of him and he is <laughs> caught by the police. Yep, back to jail for you. Back to Riker's Island, Mr. Castle. Matt Murdock does his best again to try and defend him, but it ain't the same. Luckily, however, <laughs> Castle Ring just does it again. He just second time that this eccentric millionaire who was, uh, just to remind you, Mob Squad, the victim of having the human torch thrown at him, uh, <laughs> breaks him out of jail. And he's like, look, you know, we've got another mission to do. Let's disguise you as the Fantastic Four and send you on a peacekeeping mission to Latveria so you can speak with Dr. Doom. Yeah, we get a face-off because Dr. Doom's like, dude, I saw you coming. He's like, you're no match for me. That, however, is not true because Dr. <laughs> Doom does not know that he has some of Kingpin's technology. And yeah, Frank Castle tries to pretty much like blow up Dr. Doom's head. It doesn't work. So he just pulls a hammer off the wall. He's like, I got time. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite use of onomatopoeia. It's, <laughs> you see the Punisher looking at him with his mallet. And he says, I've got all the time in the world. And the next panel is just outside of Doom's castle. And you just see clang, clang, <laughs> clang, 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 squitch. Like, he just flattened the head of Doctor Doom. Now I have to ask you, of course, he went and killed Kingpin to get some technology to kill Doctor Doom. Why, my friend, did he go to Doctor Doom? To pull off the single-handed, gnarliest thing that has ever happened in a comic. He wanted to steal a nuke. And you know why he wanted to steal a nuke? Because he had the clever idea of telling X-Force, X-Men, uh, all the other X-Teams... Magneto, Mr. Sinister, Apocalypse. He gives them all misinformation. Basically, they all assume that the other group has told them to come to the moon. But you know why they went to the moon? Because he could get all the mutants there and fucking nuke them. Mike, he nukes the moon. <laughs> well, I am just impressed by how he was able to pull this off because this never works in real life. And this is like... <laughs> This is like a high school trick when you get two people that you don't like and you're like, yeah, so-and-so wants to beat you up. And he said he's going to meet you after school, like right in the parking lot. And he's like, oh, I'll be there. And then you tell the other guy the same thing. You just watch him beat the shit out of each other. That shit never works in real life. I don't think that <laughs> trick has ever once worked. Like, trust so, me, guys, Mike spends a lot of time walking around high schools trying to stop fights. So <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> so, yes, blows up. Pretty much every superpowered being that was dumb enough to show up, which they imply is a lot. And then we get three years later, Wolverine just hanging out in an alley with a half bottle of alcohol, going over other ways that other hero entities have died over the last several years, and Logan's not happy. I mean, I even heard they found Mr. Fantastic <laughs> dead in a dumpster. I fucking love Garth Ennis. Yeah, no, this is a drunk-ass Wolverine. He is covered in what I can only assume is spew or blood. <laughs> is he talking to himself? Is he monologuing or is he aware that Castle is behind him? Uh, I'm thinking he's just rapping right now, just kind of like ram rambling to himself, but I don't know. Either way, he's drunk. Of course, Frank Castle shows up again. We get another fight between Wolverine and Frank Castle that actually lasts 
For, for as quickly as he kills everyone else, Wolverine does last for maybe four pages, which is impressive in this magazine. In the panel where Wolverine pops his claws, when he says, you dirty murdering piece of... Pops his claws out. He looks like, like he's got the expression on his face of a man who's just realized that fucking a plug socket is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, he also dies via electrocution, so it all holds together. Exactly. The Punisher, they have a skirmish, they have a tussle. He chucks them into, uh, I should say, Punisher chucks Wolverine into an electrical generator and just melts the entirety of any type of regenerative tissue off the adamantium skeleton, (laughs) which then clangs to the ground simmering. Yeah, and then we get a description of, hey, you know what? He's pretty much killed them all. Kesserling's said, hey, you've done it beyond our wildest expectations, but he's back in jail for a few minutes. So he's back in jail, and again, it's another scene of him just going, so, killed everyone, and Matt Murdock going, dude, you can't do this. We've had this conversation at least (laughs) three times in this book already. And he says, I'm not stopping, Matt. Never. Forget about me. Oh, they were childhood friends. It's it's the genuine moment of pathos in a, a book of Let's remind you, a guy getting injured by having the human torch thrown at him, Doctor Doom having his head flat with a mallet, and the fucking moon being nuked. But three months later, guess who's back out of jail murdering Captain America? <laughs> Here I go, killing again. Uh, yep, Captain America is one of the only superheroes left, and again, they have a, a pretty tidy little skirmish, but I love how this plays out. <laughs> Obviously, Captain America fought in World War II. Frank Castle fought in Vietnam. He uh, explains to Captain America during the fight that we had different kinds of soldiers. You never had to fight in guerrilla combat. You don't know what it takes. And it essentially comes to play out that Punisher had scoped the entire area that he was going to fight Captain America and had just stashed weapons everywhere, (laughs) pulls a gun, puts it right to Captain America's head, and splats his brains all over the goddamn pavement. In his defense, when you fight gorillas, it's a dangerous animal to tussle with. <laughs> I like how long you were waiting to say that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. However, <laughs> we are taken back to the Adirondacks, where Kesseling and crew are happy as pigs and shit with themselves. They're like, dude, you pretty much killed everybody. Let's have a toast. And he's like, no, nah, I got to go kill Daredevil. He's the last man standing. And then I'm done. But Kesserling is not pleased with this. In as much as he is dumb enough to try pull a gun on the Punisher. And we all know what happens, Mike. Punisher's going to punish. Punisher's going to punish. He uh, gives Kesselring some nice new uh, holes. Bodily holes for aerodynamics, <laughs> which I thought was really nice of him. And he goes on his way to, to take out the Daredevil. So back in Hell's Kitchen we are, Daredevil and Frank Castle, face-to-face, Daredevil trying to speak some sense into our Vietnam veteran who is having nothing to do with it. He guts Daredevil like a trout, takes off his mask, and what are we presented with? We are presented with a moment of Frank Castle realizing that he's just murdered the only person who has ever looked out for him. His entire life. You get a uh, monologue from Matt Murdock saying, Buddy, there was 
always someone behind the mask. You could only see them for the heroes that they were, and villains, but the super-powered people that they were. And you went on the killing spree. You never took into consideration that they will have families that will mourn them. They will have people, much like yourself, who are destroyed by the grief of losing someone close to them. And he says, but you did it. You killed us all. And content warning, Mob Squad, just to get real for you a second, we're going to discuss some quite mature and triggering things in the next few minutes. Yes, Uh, as if murdering people by sticking guns in their faces wasn't triggering enough, we are actually presented, again, trigger warning, skip ahead about a minute and a half or two if you have to, we are presented with Frank Castle killing himself via weapon because he's the only one left. And that that's the way she goes. That's the end of the book. Uh, It's Fade to black. Fade to black, yeah. It is a, uh, I genuinely thought, a fucking powerful end to that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, like, when I first read it as a kid, I remember getting to that and just being like, oh, okay, I think I need a minute to sit with that and just really kind of take in what I've just uh, experienced in the last, like, 45 pages. Yeah, it was a pretty heavy book, all told. Again, it's silly in a lot of places, because the content had to be silly. But yeah, anytime you end a book or any movie, etc., in this way, it's it's going to leave a mark. I mean, I much prefer uh, when stories end with the Incredible Hulk, you know, uh, destroying the <laughs> house and main uh, food source of two orphans and then running into the like, ha ha, wankers. <laughs> so let's move on. That was our story. Uh, yes. So shall we rate this book? I think we should probably rate this book. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Give it a shot. What do you rate it on, and how much of do you rate it? So I am going to rate this book on Nuked Moons. Like, surely, just as a bit of a side tangent, surely there would be massive ramifications if the moon was to be exploded. Like, surely, like, I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to be speaking up my ass, and I apologize if I don't (laughs) make sense of this, but aren't the tides, and I'm pretty sure women's periods, Directly linked to the moon. <laughs> the the period thing I don't think is accurate. But okay. again, I don't know. I am not a woman and I'm not a scientist. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do nuked moons because I think that's just a lovely story, Touch. It's so fucking <laughs> incredibly out there and fucked up. Uh, perfect Garth Ennis. I have a lot of nostalgia for this book. When I first started reading comics, it was of the Marvel Knights era. I was super into anything Daredevil, Punisher violent dark and gritty and i remember like my mate turning me on to it's like you know there's a book where the punisher kills everyone right <laughs> and finally getting my hands on it and i've always loved it reading back on it it's wacky it's violent it's thought-provoking i honestly i really really like this so i'm going to give this a 4.5 out of 5 all right well i'm going to go a little lower i'm going to give it i think a Three and a half, because it does check a lot of really good boxes. Garth Ennis is a genius at what he does. He's he's as good a writer at what he does as anyone in the world. I firmly believe that. And as you said, I wasn't aware it was as early as it was. But yeah, you can see where he's really starting to hone his craft. It's not honed quite as well as it eventually is, but it is starting to put things together. But there are just enough ridiculous plot points like, oh, I'm just going to create two warring entities. I'm just going to get them to fight each other. No, that's like not going to work. Like Mike does at high schools. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get out of jail like 
40 times. Yeah. I'm not sure that the Ghost Rider can die. I'm not sure Thor or Hercules can die via nuclear weapon. I'm pretty sure that Bruce Banner and Wolverine will always regenerate regardless of what you do to them. So... Yeah, that's There's, a very good point. I, I did take that into consideration. But also, we are on Earth 95126. So let's just say that their versions are killable. Well, let's also say that our friend Punisher missed a few of our favorites. The Walrus, the White Rabbit, Frogman, and Eternity Century. If I were ordering at Quickie Burger, I would be ordering the J.M. DiMatteis special in my world. <laughs> 95 whatever. These are our new super-powered heroes. So you didn't uh, tell us what you were rating this out of. You gave us a 3.5 oh, out of 5, but I what's your unit of measurement? Ridiculous plot points. Ridiculous plot points. Convenient conveniences, as our friends yes. at <laughs> Greenhouse said when they were on the show. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, instead of our usual uh, little closing game of taking a story point and trying to weave it into modern pop culture, what we thought would be fun to try this week is how would you cast... The Punisher Kills, the Marvel Universe movie. Now, Mike, I'll put the floor to you first. We're going to be uh, casting the roles of Punisher, Microchip, his tech guy, and Kesselring, the man who is attacked with a human torch. Okay. With Kesselring, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get this name guy's name right, but do you know the doctor that plays in-house? What's his name? Stephen, F- not Stephen Friedel, the guy who does uh, work with Stephen Friedel, Hugh Laurie. Yes. Yeah. I would go Hugh Laurie. As Kesslering, I think he he's always kind of uh, proper, yet can be intimidating and threatening when he wants to be. And I think he would play a good Kesslering. Microchip, I'm going to go with Billy Bob Thornton, because I think that he would bring some levity to that role and keep the Punisher in line. But the Punisher, you know who I'm going with, the Garth and the special, Jensen Eccles is our Punisher. <laughs> you... Like, I, I love that you're not standing Jensen Eccles. You're standing the idea that people stand Jensen Eccles. And you're like, come to our podcast, children. We have Jensen Eccles. <laughs> we have the Wish.com version of Jensen Eccles at our podcast. <laughs> no, I can see that, though. He's, uh, you know, he's he's an action type, isn't he? He's done, he's done action-y roles. Well, now I will say, if you haven't seen The Boys yet, uh, season three, his rendition of Soldier Boy... I honestly didn't know a lot about Jensen Eccles before The Boys. I know he played in Supernatural, and he's has a huge fan base from that show. From what I understood going into The Boys, I was like, this seems like a weird casting. But the guy is intimidating. He's funny. He's, he's matter of fact. He really is a much better actor than I gave him credit for. Standing aside, I was really impressed with that rendition of Soldier Boy. And I think... Given that he was able to turn that into a role, I didn't expect that he would be able to. I think he could do the Punisher. Let's give it a shot. Soldier Boy, tell him. I keep thinking you're talking about the bad rapper, not the uh, the boy's character. <laughs> uh, so I, for Kessel Ring, first and foremost, I'm thinking Gary Oldman. Okay. Uh, we good. know he can act under prosthetics. Obviously, Hannibal. Like It was only recently that I found out that he is, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the, the heavily prosthetic character in Hannibal. I think he'd be very good in brooding in the role. Obviously, he can really portray the, the anger that he feels towards the superhero community. For Microchip, I was thinking Patton Oswalt. Again, like you said with Billy Bob, someone who can bring levity to the 
the situation. I, I too saw him as like the comic relief character. Mm, you have to have a little bit. Especially given what happens in this book. For Punisher, and I just want this in general, not even just for this, Michael Shannon. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Michael it. Shannon would be a fucking great. He's got the eyes. He's got yeah. that fuck you stare that he does so well. Like he's a genuinely yeah. terrifying man. Yeah, he definitely is a a great actor mm. and very like you said, almost dead eyed. So yeah, you almost have to be dead eyed with Punisher. And fun fact, Michael Shannon is very good friends with one of my favorite bands, Local H. So go check those guys out. And as the usual, we're going to close out by telling people where to reach us on our socials. You can reach us at Multiverse of Bad on Twitter, at Multiverse of Badness on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook via telephone, one 939 And finally, our favorite, the JMD Mateus special, our email address. How can they reach us via email, Zach? Again, as always, I'd love to remind you, because we're not getting the goddamn emails as of yet, but you can always reach us at... This woman is dead at multiverseofbadness.com. You can reach us at her children are dead at multiverseofbadness.com. And you can reach us at nuke the bloody moon at multiverseofbadness.com. Again, thank you, Zach. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. If you're looking for heroes in your Marvel Universe and can't find them, they have most likely been killed by the Punisher because you are living your life in the podcast known as The Multiverse. That's the big. That's the big thing. Same I mean, I've killed like, dozens of people. No, no body, no crime. I think that's uh, like, like a Frank Marley cover song. <laughs> Not Frank Marley. That's that's a Bob Marley's Frank like, Marley. Yeah, like, <laughs> Bob Marley's like murderous uh, brother Frank. Bob Marley wasn't actually Jamaican. He was. Uh, redneck doing a really good Jamaican accent, and his brother's like, "Well, I'm going to be Cockney." <laughs> and then I'm killing everyone. I really want to work Frank into our episode, but nobody <laughs> would understand what the fuck we were talking about. So we'll just avoid that. I'm good. You ready? Let's go. <laughs>